0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Jack Bach and it's my privilege to welcome you to this third week of study of the Letter to the Romans here at the Village Church in Rancho Santa Fe. We are looking at Romans chapter 2 verse 17 through chapter 3 verse 8 today, but before we do that let's put ourselves into the context of the letter. Romans itself as a letter is a very tightly worded and closely uh, reasoned statement of Christian faith uh, that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome as a way of introducing himself to them and sharing with them his essential theology. And in the midst of all of that, he gives us a glimpse into what his understanding of the gospel is. And, of course, that understanding became Christian Scripture and is highly, highly influential, of course, in everything that Christians believe about what God was doing in Jesus Christ. So let's understand where we are in the conversation. Last week we looked at the fact that Paul understands that his job is to spread the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone, with anyone whom he can possibly get to listen to him. He believes, and we believe, that the gospel is all about the power of God. The story of what God has done in Jesus is a story that engenders faith In us, God is righteous and God is faithful to us and comes to us in Jesus, and that then calls forth faith from us. And of course, Paul will continue talking about that. Last week, Paul talked about the wrath of God. That term is an important term to understand. The wrath of God, Paul understands, is, is not about God being angry with us so much as it's about God being angry with sin and angry with anything that would take us away from Him. Paul also talks about fallen humanity. Essentially, that's what a lot of the early part of Romans is about, about the fact that all human beings sin. We have fallen short of the created order that is in us. God, in a sense, has given us up to our sin. God has said, the only way you're going to understand what your sin is, is if you continue in it and realize how how terrible it is. Of course, God doesn't just leave us there. God calls us out of that by sharing with us who he is in the love of Jesus. Paul is taking great uh, amount of time to show to us how the whole world, all people, have gone away from God. And today, he's going to talk more about what that means specifically in terms of the Jews' relationship to God. In some ways, we have this vision of Paul maybe preaching a sermon or thinking about the people he's going to speak with, and, and and there are a group of Gentiles there who begin to say, well, we didn't really know that much about God, and of course we've gone astray. But then Paul sort of pictures the Jews sitting there saying, well, we already know about God. We've had the law. We follow God clearly, Paul. You're not talking to us. Well, that's not actually what's going on. So let's read now uh, chapter 2, verses 17 to 29. Let's get that in our heads and then we'll talk about it in a few moments. But if you call yourself a Jew, and rely on the law, and boast of your relation to God, and know his will, and determine what is best because you are instructed in the law, and if you are sure that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then that teach others, will you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You that forbid adultery, do you commit adultery? You that abhor idols, do you rob temples? You that boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision, indeed, is of value if you obey the law, But if you break the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if those who are uncircumcised keep the requirements of the law, will not their uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then those who are physically uncircumcised but keep the law will condemn you that have the written code and circumcision, but break the law. For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, Nor is true circumcision something external and physical. Rather, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and real circumcision is a matter of the heart. It is spiritual and not literal. Such a person receives praise not from others, but from God. So again, let's remember that Paul is speaking now specifically to the Jews, and then including all the rest of us who are not Jews in that conversation. The Jews perhaps believed that they were exempt from God's judgment on them because they were the chosen people. They already had a relationship with God. They were good to go. And Paul was well familiar with that way of thinking. But what he actually says is that the Jews are even more responsible to follow the law of God because they have known what it is all about. He talks about the fact that the Jews, as human beings, are guilty of the same things as Gentiles. Now, let's not make a mistake here. Paul is not anti-Semitic. Paul is simply saying that whether you are Jewish by birth and background or not Jewish by birth and background does not make any difference to God. What makes a difference to God, what makes a difference in our relationship with Him, is what is in our heart he goes through a rather involved conversation about circumcision circumcision versus uncircumcision the circumcised of course the jews the uncircumcised the gentiles he says circumcision as a as a physical mark really doesn't mean anything at all because god is interested in what is going on in the heart so god judges us, if you will. God God understands and judges the quality of who we are by what we do, by what he sees on the inside of us and what he sees on the outside that belies what is on the inside. And so God's grace that he expressed to the Jews by calling them to be his people, by giving them his law, by revealing to them how they are meant to live in the world, God's grace is not something that can be presumed upon. You can't simply say, oh God, you loved us enough that you told us what we needed to know, you called us out to be a chosen people, therefore we don't have to worry about anything else. That was the fundamental problem as Paul saw it for those who were rejecting the Messiah, those who were Jewish, who were saying, we don't need a Messiah, we've already got the law of God. What's this Jesus thing about? And so Paul is building an argument here that will eventually come to a conclusion in one of our further studies about the fact that all people sin, all people fall short of being who we are meant. To be, of acting like we are meant to act, of living life in the way that God means for life to be lived. Now, Paul is talking to Gentiles and Paul is talking to Jews, but you and I might have to ask the question, what about Christians? Well, Paul is writing in a time before people were actually even called Christians. They were simply called the followers of Jesus or the followers of the way. Have we not met some Christians in our lives, though, who take the same attitude as the Jews were in Paul's day by saying that, I have accepted Jesus. I'm saved. I don't have to worry about anything else. It doesn't really make a difference how I act because I've already been saved by God's grace. Well, that was the same attitude that Paul saw in the Jews, an attitude that he said was incorrect, An attitude that was mistaken and misguided, and in fact, very, very dangerous. And so let's continue on with chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. For in the first place, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Although everyone is a liar, let God be proved true, as it is written, so that you may be justified in your words and prevail in your judging. But if our injustice or our unrighteousness serves to confirm the justice of God or God's righteousness, what should we say? That God is unjust to inflict wrath on us? Parentheses, I speak in a human way. Close parentheses, by no means. For then how could God judge the world? But if through my falsehood, God's truthfulness abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not say, as some people slander us by saying that we say, let us do evil so that good may come? Their condemnation is deserved. Okay, what's happening here? Well, Paul moves on to another question, maybe a question that will be asked of him. Paul has just proven to us, in a sense, in earlier conversation, earlier studies, that the Gentiles are sinners. They they don't know what God's law is, except for what they can see in creation, or maybe some little inkling they've got somewhere. He also has proven to us then that Jews also are sinners. They do not follow the law of God either. But then the question arises, well, what good is it to be a Jew? Why did God even bother to call the the Jews out as a special people, a chosen people in the first place? What's the significance? What's the meaning of being called as a Jew? And Paul points out several things. He says, well, the Jews should be happy because they already know God. They should already understand what the Messiah is all about. They should already understand who Jesus is. God has communicated with the Jews. They owe their existence to God. He has saved them. And in all of that, God has proven, this is Paul's thinking, God has proven his faithfulness to them. God has proven his faithfulness to all humanity by coming first to the Jews and then from out of the Jews bringing a Messiah, a Savior, who then shares the gospel message of God's love with everyone. What Paul really wants to focus on here is the faithfulness of God. God created the whole creation, he created us, and he loves us. He is faithful to us, no matter how many times we go away from him, no matter how badly we mess up our lives and the world that he gave us, still God loves us. God loved us so much, he he created a whole human family from out of the Jews as an expression of who God is And then, because they weren't getting it right and people weren't understanding what God was all about, God came to be with us in Jesus to make it, in a sense, even more clear, more plain before us what God is all about. And that is all an expression of God's justice or God's righteousness. In a way, those two words are very similar. God is righteous in fulfilling His promise. And then God calls us to be righteous as we are faithful to what Jesus has said and done. And as we trust Jesus' word and and live that word out in our lives. Paul was thinking about a, a problem, perhaps, in the background of all of this. You see, some people could say, well, Paul, isn't it a good thing that we have sinned? and that we still are sinners because that gives God a chance to prove how wonderful and loving he is in forgiving us? Well, no, Paul would never go that far as to say that our sin, something that's evil, is actually a good thing. Now, God doesn't need us to sin more. We sin enough on our own. And that should be plain to us. That should be clear to us in the way that the world does not work. So Paul is, is creating, uh, an argu- I call it an argument, it, it, it's, it's creating a, an understanding of the nature of all of humanity, Gentile and Jew. In Paul's day, that's how you divided people. There were only two kinds, either those who were Jewish or those who were not. That's who the Gentiles were. Everyone is in the same status and same situation with God. Were the Jews a little better off? Well, in a sense, they were, because they already knew what what God was talking about. They already knew what God wanted for them. But even that was not all that special, because he said, look, the Jews aren't living by God's law any more than the Gentiles are. And in fact, there are some Gentiles who actually are living by God's law, even even though they don't know it's God's law. And so God, Paul is forcing us to look inside, to look at what's going on inside each one of us and to judge that by, by how we live our lives. And of course, no one lives their life perfectly. No one lives their life perfectly. And so we all need to rely on God's righteousness. We all need to trust that God is loving us and loving us still, and then to trust God that that he's right when he says this is the way to live. Those are arguments that Paul will engage later on in, in the book of Romans. For now, the main point for us to get is that God is the only one who's right about everything. And that if we don't understand something, if it doesn't make sense to us, it's a, it's a problem with our understanding, not with God. God is faithful. God is righteous. God is judging the world. God is, is saying to all of us, especially in the life of Jesus, all of you have, have gone away from the way I made life to be. And all of you need to come back. Those are the primary things that that Paul is saying about God, that that we believe is the truth about God. Please understand that when I say Paul says this or Paul says that," that, that this is now Scripture. This is not just Paul speaking. We believe that God has spoken through Paul's words. And that's why this letter is now considered Scripture, that it reveals God to us. It reveals that God wants to look at our hearts. God does look. In fact, God is the only one who can see into our hearts. God sees what's there, and and, and God wants us to see what's there as well. God wants us to admit what's there and what's not there. And then we need to look to God and say, God, thank you for giving us Jesus. So let me leave you with one question. There are more questions that are going to be listed in the notes that will be available for this study, and that is to focus on what we as Christians think about God. Do we sometimes get very lackadaisical? Do we sometimes get very complacent about God's love for us? Do we sometimes simply say, well, I am who I am, but God loves me anyway, so let's just leave it there? That was the fundamental problem that Paul was getting at in the Jews as well as the Gentiles. Do we sometimes say, I don't really know what God wants me to do, but it's okay. He'll forgive me anyway. No, none of that is acceptable. None of that leads us to the place where we can, in humility and in hope, look to God to say, God, we know you have shown us the way of life, and we know that you can lead us in that way of life, and we want to follow it even more, even more. So let me offer you a word of hope and a word of encouragement, a word that says let's take God seriously and let's continue on to learn his way in the world as we continue in the study of Romans. It's been good to be with you. Look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.